What's wrong with this picture? Find out in Power Pack every 60 days. By Louise Simonson, John Bogdanov, Bob Wycheck. From Marvel Comics. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Merck present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures, and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Where on earth is Carmen Random Banter? Random banter time, buddy. Tell me a tale. What do we got going on? Well, apparently today I'm wearing a red trench coat and a red fedora. Yes, and you're solving crimes or fighting crimes or committing crimes. Or, committing crimes, committing yeah. crimes, yeah. Actually, uh, in the new just, reboot... Just popping up on, on the map and it, just it, going, here I am in Argentina where they have a population of blah, 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 and an average rainfall of blah, blah, blah. In the new reboot, she's committing crimes, but she's doing that to thwart a really evil organization. Yeah, the organization that she grew up with and wanted to become part of until she realized that they were actually evil. I've seen the reboot. It's good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's quite good. So I was just kind of talking to amuse myself there. Yeah, kind of. You were, you were telling you were telling maybe our listeners haven't seen it yet. It's on Netflix. It's really good. It's worth watching. It's very good. It's worth watching. Well, what other random banner do we got? Not much random, but a whole lot of banter. First, uh, the advertisement we used is not actually in this issue, but we thought that it was appropriate. It is the house ad Marvel release showing the kids with their new powers. We'll be putting it up on our website for this issue. We highly suggest you check it out. Big news. Starting in Fantastic Four number 12, there will be backup stories about Future Foundation. This will lead into a new Future Foundation book written by Jeremy Whitley and drawn by Will Robeson, coming out in August. Why is this such big news? Well, because the team leaders of this team will be Dr. Alex Power and Julie Power. Hey, a new book featuring half a power pack. We'll take it. And on even bigger news... In August, Marvel will be selling a new Power Pack book written by Louise Simonson and drawn by June Brigman. Power Pack, grow up. You remember when Wheezy was on our show and she kind of mentioned this to us? Yeah, we kind of freaked out about it. It's very Kind of freaked out about that. So that's the book that she's been working on. According to the article, this is set back probably prior to this issue as the kids have their original powers. They're teaming up with Wolverine and Kitty Pride to fight the Brood, an alien race that is a longtime foe of the X-Men. We're really excited about this coming out. Also, this past Monday, we recorded an interview with WMQA Comics that should be out in June. It was a lot of fun. We had uh, uh, a long verbal landslide of words that came out of us, and I don't think that they ever asked us more than two questions, and we covered most of the topics that they wanted because we just like to talk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We had beer in front of us and microphones, and they were in our ears. It was very interesting. Yeah, it was me and Rick having a conversation with a couple of voices popping in every odd once in a while. It was fun. No, they, they do a very nice podcast, and they also do a website that features a lot of Issues, reviews, and new, and plain old news, or something like that. I can't remember the tagline <laughs> now. But they have a good tagline, which I can't remember right now because I'm horrible. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun, and we'll be uh, advertising one that's coming out. So we'll be throwing links up on our all of our medias, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. But it should come out sometime around when this releases. Probably be about the same time. Okay. So just look up WMQA. Mm-hmm. WMQA. Jeff, can you please give us... The two-sentence replay from last episode. 
This amazing double-sized issue sees the Snark Wars start to get going as Power Pack has all of their powers stripped from them and packed into the High Snark Jackal who combines them in new, exciting, and dangerous ways, all while having his nervous system be burnt out by them. One failed regicide, two failed executions, two successful escapes, and one successful power reshuffling later, and we have the end of the Snark Wars as the mind of the dying Emperor gets transferred into the brain-dead but healthy body of his one-time attempted assassin Jackal while the Power Children try to make sense of their newly acquired different siblings power sets now that the i think that they killed friday in this issue two sentence replay is over why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is my pleasure my friend we have a bit of a theme that i came up with mm-hmm. and i'm gonna give you the beer first mm-hmm. and then we can kind of i want to see if you can figure out how i'm using this theme mm-hmm. actually let me do it the opposite way <laughs> what theme in this book, do you think I bought a beer against? Okay, I'm going to guess that since the issue's title is Going Home, it's going to be like the beer based off the movie Homeward Bound. No. Would you like to okay, try again? Okay, so, it t- so it's not Hair of the Dogs, Homeward Bound. It's, I, uh, is, is it about going home? No. Oh, is it going to be about uh, bad fathers? Yes. Yes, because... <laughs> There's some not so great dads. They they try. I'd like to say they try their best, but come on, not good. always that great. So good job, sir. I'd like to introduce you to dad beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Berlick Bear- Brewing Company from Portland, Oregon. Dad beer, easy drinking beer, and its tagline is well, it's story time as I always call it is. The kind of easy drinking beer your great grandpappy used to drink in the 1880s. <laughs> dad beer. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of dads in this. There's at least four. There's a, actually five, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of dads. Yeah, there's in a here. whole bunch of dads in this. And and uh, <laughs> I thought that it was a nice, nice thing. So no, that ties in really well. I'm just laughing at uh, the name on the can. Is just hilarious. It's a lager style that has a 5.6 ABV, and it is in honor of the fathers in this book, but also in fr- in honor of Father's Day, which will be the weekend prior to when this comes out. We've got a lot of uh, father themes in this in this story. Well, that's looking like a lager. That's just really your kind of typical foamy kind of, you know, very clear golden kind of beer. It's it's a lager. I mean, uh, all intents and purposes, we are looking at a Budweiser. Yeah, it looks like it's dad's beer. It's your generic beer. Yeah. It's your, <laughs> what was your dad's favorite beers? Because mine was growing up was, you know, Ole, Paps Blue Ribbon, and Milwaukee's Best, which is a lie. But uh... <laughs> I, I, I don't think my dad had a type favorite type of beer. Really? Yeah, I, I think he had beers every now and again. He was more into various kinds of liquor and then eventually wine. He had a few beers that he liked, like Full Sail Ale. Okay. Um, but, no, he... Um, this isn't bad. No, it, it's very much a lager, but it is a pleasant one. It's a very pleasant lager. It's, it's very smooth. It's very easy to drink. Yeah. We were doing the comparison to Budweiser. It is much, much, much better than yeah. Budweiser. Yeah, I just keep holding it up to the light and looking through it. Just looking at the foam, foam creation, little bubbles and No, this is this yeah, is it, it's, this it's, is nice and pleasant. It is um it is a nice lager. Yeah, if if I'm gonna have a lager, I could would definitely have this one. Yeah, dad's beer. Uh, yeah, this is this yeah. is this is something this is what Budweiser would should strive to be. Yeah, it should be. <laughs> but yeah, and it comes in a can and this is yeah, this is uh this is just pleasant. I'm not huge into lagers, I prefer other types of beers, but yeah, this is a very good very good lager. Very good lager. 
a very good logger for a pretty good little story we got going on oh, here. Oh, yeah, it's a really good story. Well, it's kind of tying up the old, uh, you know, the old little storyline thing going on. And we could count all the fathers that are in here. Yeah. Because really, we could even say Botcha's kind of a father, too. Yeah, that's why I started counting him. I think that's why I was like, oh, no, there's like five, because there's Botcha, mm-hmm. um, there is Yurik, there is Reed, there is uh, James. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess there's four fathers. There's four fathers, yeah. but... So, let's... uh. Let's crack into that. And we do that by starting off with some opening credits, if you please, Sir Jeff. Power Pack, issue number 26, October 1986, Going Home. Credits, writer, Louis Simonson. Pencils, John Bogdanov. Inks, Bob Wycheck. Letterers, Joe Rosen. Colors, Glennis Oliver. Editor, Carl Potts. Editor-in-chief, Jim Shooter. Featuring Power Pack, and everything has changed. Alex Power, oldest power sibling, now has Katie's powers and can disintegrate matter, turning it into energy, which he can expel into powerballs. Julie Power, second oldest power sibling, now has Jack's powers and controls her molecular density. Jack Power, second youngest power sibling, now has Alex's powers and can increase and decrease the gravity of objects he touches. Katie Power, youngest power sibling, now has Julie's powers and can fly very fast, leaving a rainbow trail behind her. Franklin Richards, aka Tattletail, still has the same power, can send his astral form places while he sleeps, has lost his parents, it happens. Kofi, a chameleon alien who can teleport. Guest starring, those uh, aforementioned fathers. We got Lord Yurik, we got James and Maggie Powers, we've also got Fantastic Four with, you know, Reed Richards and Sue Richards, Johnny Storm and She-Hulk, um... They're, they're all kind of distraught. And we have Cloak and Dagger, and they are searching for the lost children. We don't see their fathers, though. That kind of got away from me. Sorry about that. Remember the New Hope-esque ending of the last issue? Are you talking about the giant ceremony where the kids are on stage with a royal alien, and they do not get the medals for saving a planet? Not unlike Chewbacca? You know, it's really strange how you're able to unravel my complex illusions. It's almost like we're reading off a script. Script? What script? This is a free-form conversation about the memories that we have about a comic we read, you know, some 30 years ago. We would never stoop to such a low... Oh, shoot. Um, hang on a second. I just lost, I, I just lost my page. I'm sorry about that. Um, hold on. Anyway, there was a big plot thread that had not been cleaned up, and that was the Crash Smart Ship Friday. Now we're dealing with it. Well, not us, obviously. The kids are. If we were dealing with it, we would probably be saying, Oh my god, we're in space talking to an alien horse! Followed by a prolonged finger pointing and an even longer, not-so-manly shriek. The powers are working with Kofi and Frank to reassemble the damaged ship. They're hoping that by finding all of the pieces and placing them more or less where they are supposed to go, all a Humpty Dumpty style, that all will be well with Friday again. Well, it seems that all the power pack children and all the horse men will not be able to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. What is making things even more difficult is that everyone is struggling with their new power set, especially Julie, who is now a cloud. And well, you know, clouds aren't really all that useful on moving day. But you know, I wonder if it would help if they did the Humpty dance. Really don't think. Do the fix the ship. Do the fix the ship. The Humpty Dance is your chance to fix the ship. Do the fix the ship. Do the fix the ship. Repair the ship. Come on and fix the ship. Do the fix the ship. Do the fix the ship. Repair the ship. Come on and fix the ship. Do the fix the ship. Do the fix the ship. You know what I'm doing? I'm doing the fix the ship, y'all. Do the fix the ship. Do the fix the ship. Do the fix the ship. Watch me do the fix the ship. Do the fix the ship. Do the fix the ship. Aw, yeah. That's too great, all. Have you thought about seeing a doctor? I mean... You need help. 
Kofi is trying to comfort the kids as best he can. Katie is a royal mess. She loves Friday, and she wants to go home. Kofi also provides some good explanation on the kids' power scrambling. His father has speculated that the kids got their power sets based on their needs, and that their powers got shuffled around because their needs have changed. It really seems like Katie and Jack are handling this power swap better than the other two. Jack loves the strength he has, and Katie is just zipping from A to B to C to Z like a butterfly. And she's not being asked to kill anything. Bonus! But even with the joy that she's feeling from her new flight power, Katie just can't handle the thought that maybe, maybe Friday is dead. Friday? Friday, I love you. Please don't be dead. Please? As Katie really turns on the waterworks, the others reminisce about issue one of their series, and when they first found Whitey on their beach. And as Jack presses his face to the window, he makes a... <coughs> successful perception check. Holy cow! There's something in there! A light! There's a light on inside! Now that everyone has the advantage on their roll, they all confirm that, yes indeed, there is a small light on inside. One that is fading fast. And faster than Jeff can sing, turn on your heart light, Franklin volunteers to get some help. And the little dude just falls asleep. I mean, like that. He was standing, and then his body just crumples to the ground in that classic kid sitting pose. And instamagically, his astral form appears in the Emperor's room, where Yurik and Badsha are arguing about what will be done with Murad. Yurik is all for an execution, and Badsha is hesitant for any more bloodshed. Frank is all about jump-scaring anybody he can, and he does. But he also gets them to come running. And a little while later, with some help from the cave dwellers, they extract the fading components of the smart ship. While this highly technical work is being done to the Chimelian smart ship by all of the people who are not Chimelians, the two Chimelians, Yurik and Kofi, are talking about the low chances that Friday will make it. Yurik callously says, One failing light doesn't mean that there is anything salvageable. And after all, smart ships were built to serve, even unto death. Gosh, if only there were some, you know... Alien experts around who could help? Well, instead of that, Kofi decides that this is the moment to mention that he took his father's smart ship and crashed it on Earth, killing Data. Yurik, who apparently doesn't like the taste of what he's been cooking when he has to have a mouthful, starts shaking Kofi and yelling at him about killing his beautiful smart ship when he learns of Data's destruction. Good job, Yurik. That's some, uh, real good parenting you're doing there. In fact, it's so good and it impresses Kofi so much that he runs off from his father in tears. Speaking of parents and crying... Meanwhile, back on Earth in the Powers apartment... Home of the returning injured matriarch. Jim helps Maggie into the empty apartment, telling her to relax while he makes his famous lentil soup. But Maggie beelines to her daughter's room and picks up a teddy bear and breaks down. Not the homecoming everyone was hoping for. No, not at all. And since this scene is so depressing and we are a comedy podcast, let's leave this grieving couple to their sorrow and see if we can find something of a lighter fare. You mean like a scene with Cloak and Dagger? Marvel's saddest of sad sack supers trying their best to find the missing kids? And by best, we mean they are torturing random street thugs looking for information on the kids? Remember when I just said something of a lighter fare? Cloak and Dagger were not what I meant. I was hoping for something more rainbowy with sunshine and maybe sprinkles on top. Pet puppies even. I have a copy of John Wick here. But since we're here with Cloak and Dagger, what has their version of waterboarding produced? Nothing about the kids. Just some mumblings about some strange happenings with mutants in Central Park. Well, that strange breadcrumb is enough to send them off to check it out. Spoilers, it has nothing to do with the missing power children, but it is an entirely different questline that they just opened up for an upcoming storyline. 
Meanwhile, back on Snark World, home of the fighting accused Queen Mother. It is time for the trial and sentencing of Maraud, and she, like the honey badger, just don't care. She is bitter about her failed regicide and that the Emperor is now wearing her son's body. Baja, for probably the hundredth time, reminds everyone that it was freely given. The body-borrowing Bodsha brings the business to its boundary by boldly bellowing that the begetting baddie, bereft of her boy, is to be banished. Booyah! As a grumbling gal in a smashing Maleficent robe is guided to her ship, she calls the Emperor weak, and that she will have her revenge. revenge! You know, the usual defeated banter of a sure-to-be-returning villain. There is some disagreement between Julie and Jack on this royal decree. Julie is compassionate, thinking that Murad has suffered enough. Jack is a little bit more realistic. Are you nuts? That vengeance she's vowing is on us! Emperor Bacha is informing Alex that he is detailing a crew to take the kids home on his own personal yacht. Now equipped with a freshly impounded cloaking device. Also, Yurik will be going with him as an official escort. Yurik has forbidden Kofi from going with him because he broke the law by visiting a forbidden planet, aka Earth, and crashing and killing his smart ship, Data. Hey, dude, let it go. Yeah, Alex has had enough of this horse on his high horse, and he points out that Kofi came along to warn them because he knew Yurik would not listen to him. We thought you changed. As Yurik yammers after the kids, trying to justify his jerkitude, the Emperor provides his friends with this advice. I think, my friend, that it is time you quit blaming Kofi for his mother's death and tried to become friends with him, so that what happened between me and Jackal won't happen with Kofi. Kofi, meanwhile, has decided that he will stow away on the ship, something Alex catches as the pony sneaks on board with a teleportational bleep. During this poiping, Julie guesses that Frank is really excited to get home because he will get to see his parents again. <laughs> Julie doesn't know the Fantastic Four like we do. Personally, I will be surprised if they remember that Frank is missing, or are even in the same galaxy as Frank when he gets home. Meanwhile on Earth... Home of Franklin's frantic father from the Fantastic Four. Wow, it just took the disappearance of his son to really focus Reed on something besides a science project. He is in his lab trying to decipher the note Franklin left when he has an idea. He is going to solve this by making it a science project. <sighs> of course he is. But props to him for remembering that his kid is missing. That actually kind of surprises me. He scans the drawing of the snarks into his computer system and runs a search looking for a match. Bing! His hunch was right. The scrolls had encountered and kept records of the race Zlurk, and now Reed has spatial coordinates for their homeworld. With a bellow for his wife and a summoning of the team, they prep to go into space. She-Hulk, the voice of reason, advises the frantic family that they cannot leave without telling the absent Jarvis, so Sue sends Johnny up to the kitchen to leave a note. Wait a minute, are, are we relying on a child leaving a note for an adult again? Uh, Johnny is an adult. Is he? Is he? Yeah, good point. I'm fully expecting Jarvis to come home to find a giant burning four waiting for him in lieu of a message. Meanwhile in space... Home of the Temperamental Teenagers. Alex joins Kofi in a small, hidden area on the snark ship. Oh look, he brought his friend Carrots. Horses love carrots. The two boys start to slouch and angst about their miserable lives. It is like they are having a James Dean off. They complain about how unreasonable Kofi's dad is, how much Alex wants to just be a solo hero and not have his kids' siblings around, and they generally sulk. If only they had some grunge music playing and some flannel, this would be so me in the 90s. Sans the superpowers, of course. Yeah, of course. 
Alex also uses his new powers to practice his graffiti skills by drawing a heart with his and Allison's name inside. I would say, aww, but destruction of private property, Alex, that is going to give you a karma hit for sure, buddy. Can we go back to power pack number 13 where Katie was writing her name on some concrete, both to practice her writing and her power use? Remember when Alex said, Look, Whitey didn't come from outer space and give us our powers so you could disintegrate your name onto walls. Is he sure that the wall he's riding on is not the whole of the ship? Not smart, dude. You are not showing the maturity that you are talking about having. That said, he is showing some pretty good mastery of his disintegration power, as he is doing some pretty good detail work. What I also appreciate is that Kofi has someone to talk about his feelings. He really just wants to know why his father is angry at him so often. Maybe it's because he is irresponsible, as demonstrated by the stealing of data, or because he doesn't listen, as demonstrated by him sneaking onto this very ship. Nah, that doesn't seem very likely. Now, we have some interesting scenes that happen during the next few pages. We switch over to the Fantastic Four, who are cruising through space, heading to Snark World. Reed identifies an anomaly nearby, but is told, forcibly by his wife, that they have more important things to do. Yeah, like find their son who is on the nearby anomaly that is actually a cloaked ship. Franklin is asleep at that moment, and he has sent his astral form to the Avengers Mansion, which is empty because his parents are in the spaceship that is just passing by the ship he is on. It's a good old-fashioned comedy of errors. Speaking of which, much later, we find ourselves in Central Park where Cloak and Dagger are beating up some guys. Because they're still trying to find information on Power Pack. Not because they just enjoy doing this as a hobby. But, you know, it is good to enjoy your work. The duo feel the rumble of an approaching ship and hide. The Snark ship lands and camouflages itself as a hill. Then Power Pack, the Snarks, and the two chameleons all disembark from a hill. Because that's not conspicuous. We can see that the kids are happy to be home. Katie and Franklin are asleep, and they are being carried out by Yurik and a red-shirted snark, respectively. From Cloak and Dagger's point of view, these are alien monsters who have taken the children and who will probably eat them. We should remind everyone that Cloak and Dagger are teenage kids themselves, and they have a track record of poor decision-making abilities. And like any good Marvel Comics introduction, they come in attacking. One could say they are looking for... Revenge. REVENGE! Dagger fires a spray of her light daggers while Cloak absorbs the snarks into his cloak. Holy cow! They're attacking! The snarks defend themselves and the children by attacking back against the unexpected assault. I mean, wouldn't you? Jack and Alex argue with each other about who should attack Cloak. Julie makes the only smart move by clouding over to Dagger to beg her to stop because this is all a terrible mistake. The mistake was made by these monsters when they kidnapped you. Whatever hold they have on you, Dagger and I will see it broken. So, this is going well. Unfortunately, Cloak is in an unstoppable yelling rage, as is everyone else. Alex and Jack yell at the Starks to quit firing their lasers, while Yurik continues to yell at Cloak. Julie yells in Katie's ear, causing her to fly out of Yurik's arms. I think I'm going to yell at you now. Why? Well... Everyone is yelling at everyone else. It looks like fun, and, you know, I just want to be part of the group, okay? Fine. Katie, leaving Yurik's arms, gives Cloak the opportunity to pull the ambassador into his shadowy realm. Franklin awoke a while back and is hiding in the hatchway of the ship with Kofi. He tells Kofi that Cloak just swallowed up his father, but that he couldn't projection follow him because it was so dark in there. Kofi says that they need to get over where Alex is, because he has a plan for the dark. Is he going to shoot magic missiles at it? What? No! He's not going to attack the dark. Well, before Kofi can enact his plan of not attacking the dark, Jack has an idea. 
Hey, I got it. I know how I can stop this battle single-handed. He tackles Dagger in the back with his arms wrapped around her waist and floats her off the ground. So what's his plan? To have his arms around her waist and hold her up off the ground. I'm pretty sure he does not know why he wants to do this, but he is sure that he has to do this. Katie takes this opportunity to come up and give Dagger a hug. Well, Jack says, Cut off your boyfriend, will ya? He just swallowed our pal Kofi's pop. Meanwhile, Kofi directs Alex to shoot a fireball into Cloak's cloak, which allows Franklin to see and track where Yurik is inside Cloak's dark dimension. He then tells Kofi where to teleport to save his father. Can we just stop for a moment and appreciate how whack comic book science is? We have a kid with a ma- we have a kid with massive mind-based powers following an alien who has been sucked into a dark dimension, the doorway of which is the body of another guy, and he has a kid shooting energy into that dark dimension so another alien can teleport after that energy ball. And all of that is conveyed in one panel. All hail comic books. But hey, it works. Kofi travels through this nightmare-filled realm, twisted visions of his father dancing before him, mocking and belittling him. Kofi stays true and continues to follow the yellow powerball until he comes onto a horrific scene. His father is being held by a batch of arms coming out of the ground as he helplessly watches his wife and infant son be attacked by these large red flying lizard monstrosities. This is a moment from the past, a past that Kofi did not know about. Oh, so that is why his father is such a jerk. Apparently his mother dialed while protecting her son. Kofi takes this all in, pulls away the arms holding his broken dad, and teleports his father out of there. Bleep. Back at the battleground, Yurik is amazed to see that it is really his son, the one who should be back on Snark World doing the chameleon equivalent of standing in the corner. Before Yurik can really reprimand his son, forgetting the fact that his son just saved his flanks, the aftermath of the battle with Cloak becomes apparent. The Sovereign squad of soldier Snarks sent to safely supervise the super-sibling's sojourn show serious signs of suffering. Cloak's Shadow Realm has put a few of the guards on Death's doorstep, Yurik attempts to heal them, but he also is suffering from the effects of the Shadow Realm, and is too drained to be of any assistance. Luckily, Dagger is on hand with her impressive magic light dagger healing power stuff. She supercharges Yurik with an incredible light show, and it works. Woohoo! After everyone has healed up and calmed down, the kids with Yurik and Kofi catch a ride through the Cloak and Dagger Shadow Express back to their apartment. Not before the Snarks wave goodbye, and then give the departing group a they're all crazy gesture. Arriving outside the power apartment, the strange group of heroes and aliens discuss what they should do next. Yurik, being the ranking diplomat, tries to pull that rank to insist he enter first to explain the situation. Kofi steps in and informs his father that the only thing the parents need to see is their children. And he's right. Jack knocks on the door and we are treated to an awesome scene as the kids tackle hug their parents, saying that they are home. Aww. I'm not crying. You're crying. It's just that there's a lot of dust in the air right now. Kofi sadly points out to Franklin that that, that is really touching to see a family that just is happy to see their children. Oh, and he says this with his father standing over his shoulder. Bazinga. Mic drop. Next in the door are Cloak and Dagger. They softly introduce Franklin and the two aliens who brought their kids back. Let me try this again. A shadowy imposing man in a dark cloak and a scantily clad teenager girl introduce two horse aliens and a four-year-old child. Really, James and Maggie are taking this all really, really well. They move the conversation into the apartment before the neighbors report the parade of highly conspicuous weirdos in the hall. And most of the explanations are made. You know, except for any talk about superpowers the kids may or may not have. Later, Kofi and Franklin are having a quiet moment on the roof. 
Franklin checked the Avengers mansion again and confirms what we thought earlier about his parents not even being on Earth when he returned, so he thinks that they don't care about him. But that is because he still does not realize his parents are out searching the universe for him, and so he and Kofi are making plans to run away together. You know, because Kofi still thinks that his dad hates him and stuff. Can we take a moment to think about the buddy team-up comic book that we could have had with Kofi and Franklin? Yeah, but unfortunately, it is not to be. Yurik comes out and has a great one-on-one -on -one with his little foal. You see, every time Yurik looks at Kofi, he sees his dead wife, and it is more than he can bear. He loves his son, he just has a difficult way of showing it. A very, very difficult way of showing it. And now Franklin's crying. Kofi decides to leave Earth with his father, and breaks the news to Franklin. Franklin tells Kofi that he will miss him, and that he loves him, and then he fades away. What? They, they killed Franklin? Did, did the snap happen? No, you silly rabbit. Franklin was out there with his dream self. Kofi and Yurik teleported to their ship, and inside the apartment, Cloak and Dagger also teleport away. But probably not to the spaceship. They probably just go to an unoccupied roof to do some brooding or something. Nah, it's hard to do a proper brood at sunrise, but they're probably giving it their best shot. The family is all huddled together on the floor as Franklin sleeps on the couch, but they notice that he is crying. Frank, what's the matter? Maggie picks up the little tyke and comforts him, saying that she knows his parents are looking for him, and until they get back, he is welcome to stay at their house. I mean, what's one more kid at this point, am I right? Now that everyone is awake, there is some serious talk about food. Everyone has opinions. Mom can't cook. Let's order in. I got it. McBurgers. No, we had that last time we got stole by aliens. I want pizza. With double cheese. No, Chinese food. Dumplings, Ann. But in the end, James Power announces that what they need is a good old-fashioned family supper. So he'll go and heat up some of his famous lentil soup that he made earlier. It's good for you, and it'll put hair on your chest. Lentil, lentil soup? Gross. Yuck! Barf! Hair! Ick! Oh boy, my favorite! Finn. Next issue? Who's power? <laughs> <laughs> but for this issue, power packaging! Yeah! <laughs> Let us talk about the cover of this fine, fine book! Mm hmm. We have got a cover drawn by John Bogdanov and Bob Wyacek. And this one is an orange background. We have got the kids now up in the little box. They are all with their correct powers. Mm -hmm. You got Julie in cloud form. She's kind of on top. You've got Katie flying in the rainbow. You got uh, Alex arms out shooting a powerball. And you got Jack floating with the good old checkerboard black. Now the cover itself is orange background and you got the power pack logo at the very top mm -hmm. and you see the power children and kofi are all attacking cloak so you got julie on his head kind of her feet around his neck and she's pounding his head like a bongo drum katie is halfway into the shadow cloak and she's got a hold of jack's hand and jack is being drugged through the ground and there's like claw marks there alex is firing off a powerball into the darkness and kofi's all wrapped up in the cloak does not quite happen like this, but it's pretty dang close. <laughs> uh, I would say that this cover is a lie. A dirty, dirty pants on fire lie. I don't, I, I'm not going to say it happens exactly like this, but this is this is pretty close to what's going on. Yeah, kind of. I mean, Cloak has gone nuts. I mean, it's not as bad as this, but Cloak has kind of gone nuts, and he is throwing everybody in there. The only people he's not really throwing in is, is the, the power, power children. Yeah, but he also doesn't listen to them when they're all, hey, stop. 
And he's like, no, because you've been kidnapped. I was like, we're back now. Yes, but I'm attacking these people. I mean, this really this really looks like Power Pack is attacking a cloak gone wild. Yeah, it really does. It looks like it's a mind-controlled cloak or a, um, but yeah, I mean, something like those as, lines. As far as anything else that happens, I mean, there's... There's a lot that goes on in the storyline. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with this cover. I think it's a pretty good cover. Oh, it's a great I mean, cover. It, it just is not really it's, it's quite not, like that. Right. It, I mean, this talks about one scene that's in the book. Mm-hmm. It's an important part of that scene. I yeah. think it's a good way of people picking up the thing going, wait, what's going on? Yeah, it's 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 a yeah, it's a clickbait. It's a clickbait. Still. But I mean, I, it's I think quasi it's pretty accurate, but it's still clickbait. Yeah, I like this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's orange. How often do you see orange on covers? Yeah. Yeah. And, I like it. It's 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 a really fun, interesting little cover, and it kind of shows like the the, the terror that's going on. It's yeah. only really, really terror filled moment of the book. In fact, let's talk about that. I, I know I got down further down my list, but cloak and dagger. Shoot first. Don't bother with questions. Oh my god, they were terrible. <laughs> okay, they're they see the power children returning from space with aliens. Two of them are being carried by aliens. The others are all like, you know, like Jack's all got that. Woo, everything's awesome kind of thing and they're stretching and smiling and happy and so it would be kind of along the lines of like if you saw your neighbors coming home and they've got like disneyland paraphernalia and they're all happy and stuff and a dad's carrying their sleeping kid and you're like they've been kidnapped before so now i must punch them because they're back home but been kidnapped well, no it, it's they don't see them with their parents. They see yeah, them with aliens. But they're being returned. And if you look at context clues or body language, you can see that everybody's pretty happy. And it's like two the only, the only children can, are sleeping in The only thing I arms. can say is is they're far enough away that they can't say see that they're happy looking. I It's just on the edge of like, why don't you just go and see what's going on or do some sneaky sneaky to figure out what's happening before yeah. you just attack. Yeah, it's the problem with Shakespeare, which is that if... You know, if you actually went and talked to this person, you would kind of get rid of the rest of the show. Uh, yeah, yeah, all they needed to do was just pop out of this, like, dagger, travel with me through the shadows. And then she goes, okay, and they pop out, and then Cloak goes, Alex, what's going on? And then he goes, hey, we were kidnapped, but then we're, we got well, everything good, and we came you know, back there, now. I see, I see a whole bunch of th- problems with what you just said. Cloak and Dagger pop out next to these trigger-happy uh, snarks fight yeah well <laughs> the, at that if, point if, it would be they, it would if, be the snarks attacking right, the, the right. human invader, even, the, even the then monstrous they, human even invaders. if they did more of a controlled going up to this group yeah well you see we're kidnapped by these aliens attack <laughs> yeah but it was like not these specific aliens <laughs> wait 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 yeah. the best thing about that scene though is that like cloak and dagger are all like aliens demons are monsters give us back the children that are your prisoners and they're like you know, Yurik's all, you know, they're talking in their own languages and Cloak and Dagger can't understand, can't understand them. And Yurik's all like, defend these children with their lives. And the Snarks are all like, we will lay down our lives to protect these heroes of our planet. And it's like, everybody wants to protect them. So they're all, you know, yeah, and punch. So like, <laughs> like, hey, guys, can, can we just, can, yeah. we, can everyone just stop? Stop, please. Yeah. Just stop. <laughs> it is perpetually that. I, Take I, it down one notch. I do like the fact that the, that the kids are really. And in most situations, the kids are kind of like, let's figure out what's going on before we just attack. Yeah. Uh, going back earlier in the book, let's talk a little bit about this um, exile versus capital punishment. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of different times when it came up. There was a real deep conversation that Yurik was having with Bacha. Yeah. And then, of course, after they made the decision to exile Murad, we still had the ongoing talk of like, well, this is good. You know, she's she's served. She knows she did something wrong. She's going to learn her lesson. And Jack being kind of the voice of reason oh, of, yeah. no, she's evil. She's going to come back and kill us. Yeah, she's going to come back and get revenge on them and them 
and us. Should it be exile? I mean, for a plot point for story convenience, yes. But yeah, it, it is obviously about, returning villain. How, how do you feel about uh, capital punishment in this situation? <sighs> Batch is uh, a forgiving guy. I Potential think if, regicide? Yeah, I know. Well, kidnapping of aliens? Long time poisoning. Uh, yeah, the, the, a couple the, of attempted, re- yeah, multiple attempted regicides because it's like the poison ain't tank. You acted quick kidnap, enough. Let's kidnapping go. of aliens, of, of starting a snark war, starting a snark uh, war, causing the deaths of untold number of Kid- snarks, kidnapping ambassadors. Yeah, kidnapping his friend, his friend, his, who he calls his brother, mm-hmm. his childhood friend slash brother from another mother planet. Yeah, all of this just it's Batch is a lot more forgiving than I would be if I was in their shoes. I'm like, um, yeah, you did all these things. You know, your son has provided me his body, which means that we will we will make sure that your clan still retains their lands. You got to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we don't know how it how it acts though. If it's like okay, so what if happens if your queen mother dies? Is that that the entire clan goes uh, insane? Are they then you know like do they then all die? Do I don't know, they but she's being, get she's absorbed being, into she's other clans? Exiled. Yeah. And well, she's she, her, her entire clan is going with. Yeah. It's basically her and her, all of her people are going away. And she's going to be back. Yeah, she... Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, she didn't go, well, I learned... Well, Emperor Badsha, I learned my lesson. You'll never see me again. No, she was like, you think that this... You know, stops my quest for po- my thirst for power? No, I'm going to come back, <laughs> and I'm going to destroy you, and I'm going to get that power. I am going to get... Revenge. Revenge! Which is always fun to say. Very much so. Teenage angsty boys. <laughs> yeah. I kind of was uh, feeling it with the uh, angstiness, the, yeah, I just want to be a loner. I don't want my family around. Why doesn't my dad love me? Why can't I get along with him? Well, Kofi, I totally get his. I totally yeah. get his. And Alex, I can understand a little bit because he's just, and he isn't, you know, he just says that he's the oldest and he sometimes just wants to to be alone he doesn't always want to be part of the group he doesn't say that he wants to totally be solo he just says he would like to have some of his own space right so i get that and he even kind of you know it's like when he 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 shares a room with his brother yeah and but when kofi was like hey alex i know that you know that i'm here did you tell your family and he's like no No. because they're gonna let it slip and then he immediately goes you know what i'll probably tell them later because they won't they're not gonna tell anybody they're they're better than that he's he's trying to be the i'm i'm gonna be the rebel yeah I should still talk to my family. <laughs> yeah, well, he is. It, it that is just very much a uh, a moment where he's kind of like, you know, I just would like some downtime. I would like some downtime away from my family, and I one hundred percent understand that. Really? Yes. And I don't mean that just from current situations either. I mean, in general, in life, you can't, it's like, you can love people to, you know, the, as long as the day is long. And sometimes it's great if they're just not around. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I agree. Yeah, totally same with thing that. with, I've always felt that way with friends, family, everything, you know, it's like, hey, I love cake. I don't want to have cake all the time. But your tongue. Wants cake all the time. All the time. Yeah. Cake. Yummy. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's kind of wonder, uh, kind of fall back into the teenage boys and angst and their fathers. We have mentioned this. We kind of beat this down. We got the dad bear going on. We got Jim and the kids. We got Reed and Franklin. We got Yuri and Kofi. We got Bacha and to some extent, Jackal. You know, we've got a lot of of, of fathers. It's a father issue, which is, it's very interesting that that's Mm -hmm. kind of the theme that I didn't really realize it probably at the time I first read it, but going through it now and looking for certain things, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is very much about, different relationships and it's not being explicit with it no it's not it's i mean it, and, and none of this has really been you know going 
none of this is new. It just is kind of all here in this issue. I mean, you know, it's really got Franklin really opening up like, yeah, my parents, they, you know, they've left me. They, you know, no, they haven't left you. They're, they're probably out looking for you. Yeah, and, but they leave him all the time. And that's kind of the interesting the things is to see the, uh, the similarities, yet also the differences in yeah. parenting things where it's, uh, who's the best father of the group? I'd say Jim Powers. Yeah, plain yeah. and simple. Jim's James is totally the best father yeah. there because he's constantly engaged with his kids. He well, loves his kids. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, back in issue five, he punched out a guy who threatened his, his kids. He punched out his boss yeah. who threatened his kids. Yeah. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Reed uh, leaves town all the time. He gets caught up in his work yeah, a lot. Yeah, it is very much just like, hey, I have a son. Yeah, Franklin, and I'm sure he can just, he, yeah, he's, he's good. He's with Herbie. And and I think I think Jim Power, I think we'll start to see it. Jim Power, he's not as smart as Reed Richards, but he's, still he's, smart. he's in the class. And I think that if he went down the same path that Reed Richards went down, he would be very similar. But that's not his style. Yeah. I mean, his style is family first. He has always been family first and then science. He loves science, but he loves his family. So uh, Reed, I think, has always been more science. And then, hey, I've got a family now. Isn't that swell? But yeah, and then you have uh, you know, Yurik. <sighs> Honestly, he resents his son. He hates his son due to the fact that uh, his wife that he loved died protecting his son. And now every time he looks at his son, he sees the death of his wife. The right. person that he loved that is no longer here and hasn't been for a while. And I could, and there's probably there's probably some other things too. Unfortunately, we don't get a lot of time with Yurik. Yeah, not a we, huge We're, we're kind of picking up pieces here and there about his character. Yeah, but by the end, he's starting to realize where he has failed, the reason why he's doing things, and even though he's not completely a hundred percent right, even. Kofi's kind of giving him a little bit of leeway. Oh, yeah. you want to tell me about how I can teleport and how I should just do and not try? Roll <laughs> that, my yeah. eyes. That, that was actually kind of a cute moment where, uh, yeah, uh, Kofi and Yurik are talking. Yurik's like, hey, do you think you can teleport us back to the snark ship so we can go home because they want to get going? And, and, and offhand, he's like, I, off, offhand remark, oh, I think I can. Well, you should have more confidence in your ability. Like, oh, yeah, God. You need, yeah, you need to take classes in positivity because when I was your age and they teleport away. And yeah, there is the eye roll going on, but which it's, is but great. But at the same time, it's like they're talking yeah, now. At they're, least, yeah, he's trying, he's connecting with his son instead of just shaming him. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, recognize your son is pretty darn powerful. Yeah. And he's very resourceful. And he does more right than wrong yeah uh, okay here's the thing that really upset me about Yurik though too was when uh you know they're right at the beginning they're working on friday and trying to save friday's life mm -hmm. and Yurik's all uh it's a ship and yeah they serve unto death and so what if it dies and then Kofi's, you know, he's like, I don't care, Friday, whatever, big deal. But then Kofi's like, yeah, uh, Data's dead, you're smart ship. And then he just drops his pancakes in the fire because he's angry. It's like, you killed my beautiful ship. Yeah. Your beautiful ship that died protecting me and serving its function. Yeah. 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 Served unto death. Served unto death. Yep. Let's finish this off by talking a little bit about dinner choices. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love this final scene. Mm -hmm. I still think it's breakfast, but yeah, yeah, it's, they're they're all naming a lot of yeah they're naming a lot of dinner foods, but it's, it seems like breakfast. What happened the last time that uh, they had burgers after being returned from being kidnapped? Oh, Carmody attacks them and yelling at them, calling them muties and is shooting a forty five. So bogeyman, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, let's go ahead and not do that. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah Carmody just shows up to the door and is like, "I'm back." What do you, what is the correct meal that you should eat after being you know, kidnapped by aliens. Uh, 
anything you want, really. You know, whatever your best comfort food is. Uh, and I could totally see that. Waffles um, and waffles and uh, fried chicken. I love all food. Well, not all foods, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, everything that they're naming, they're just like, yeah, McBurgers. I'm like, I could go for a burger. Pizza. Totally could go for Double a pizza. Cheese. Double cheese. Fine. Throw it on there. Oh, Chinese food. I'm like, I love Chinese food. Lentil soup is at about the bottom of the list. Yeah, but yeah pretty much. Yeah. Except, no, no. Oh, boy, it's my favorite. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, Franklin loves it, but you'll also notice Franklin just thought that. He kept that to himself because right. he's trying to be cool and let's keep his track. Peers. Let's keep track how many things are his favorite. Yeah. Because there's a lot, my oh, friends. Oh, really? There's okay. a lot. <laughs> Franklin's it's, a positive kid. He could give Kofi some tips on positivity. It is one of his favorite phrases. Oh, boy, my favorite. Hey, cool. <laughs> I'm going to break out my library card. And uh, in honor of Friday, I would like to talk about Anne McCaffrey's book, The Ship Who Sang. The Ship Who Sang is a science fiction novel by the author Anne McCaffrey. The 1969 novel deals with a cyborg, Helva, who is a human being fused into a spaceship, or brain chip. The universe that Anne McCaffrey created for these books features children who have severe physical disabilities, but who have exceptionally talented brains, becoming shell people. They are encased in a life support shell with computer connections. These shell people are then raised to fill a variety of strange professions. The focus of these books is one of these shell people becoming a smart rocket, a spaceship that is truly sentient. It deals with her relationship with her brawn, or the non-shell element of the spaceship crew and her life. The great thing about science fiction is asking the question, what if... And then exploring the stories that are set in the different worlds with different morals. What if there were options for people with extreme physical deformities? What would the negative impacts be of such a drastic exercise? How much is the human contact worth? And can men mental relationship be, really be sustainable? Anne McCaffrey was always one of my favorite authors for presenting these complex ideas in a simple, straightforward stories. And let's be honest, this is a romantic sci-fi. And it is really easy to see how this book, or others like it, influenced Wheezy when she was creating the smart chips like Friday. And on an interesting note, McCaffrey dedicated this book to the memory of the colonel, her father, George Herbert McCaffrey. So that is my book. Have you ever read those ones? I have not read The Ship Who Sang, but when we interviewed Wheezy, didn't she also say that she kind of based Friday off of that? Yeah. 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 yeah it's kind of where books, I got yeah, it from. Yeah. And it's really easy to see how it is. In those books, the... the the brain or the shell people that are inside are actual beings or actual okay. humans. Okay. So Whereas they, it's different than the sentient AI, yeah. but it's the same kind of concept. It's though. very much the same concept. Yeah. And then in that case, then you could have your ships would definitely have a gender uh, because yes. you, uh, we didn't talk about it in this uh, issue, but they, the kids do hit on a little riff again of it's, you know, Friday's a, a boy, Friday's a girl. We never asked him slash her. And, um, and remember too, that when these books were written back in the 1980s is, you know, the fluidity of gender there were a lot of people that had that still identified as transgender or or bi or gay or lesbian it's just that it wasn't as much in the public consciousness yeah. about talking about yeah. it that's not to say good or bad about this book really addressing it i actually find that the book addressing it at all is pretty it's, it's, amazing yeah. and progressive yeah it really was and i also just love the fact that wheezy you know when we asked her it was like friday boy or girl you know the here's the pokemon question is like are you a boy or girl and she said it's an it. Yeah, it's an it. Yeah. Sometimes she had the feelings and persona of a mother. Other times he had more of a father figure. Yeah. So it was very fluid. And yeah, she wasn't going to be paying a corner with that one. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, which was great. Yeah. 
but you know all in all it still is a science ship and you know we're talking science we're talking science corner yeah what do you got for us my friend no science today i'm afraid because i want to talk about what a scientist needed to know in the story arc and that is what to do if your child is missing well if your child is missing immediately call your local law enforcement agency after you have reported your child missing to the law enforcement call the national center for missing and exploited children at 1-800-THE-LOST that's 1-800-843-5678 if your child is missing from home search through closets piles of laundry in and under beds, inside large appliances, in vehicles, including trunks, and anywhere else that a child may crawl or hide. If you are in a store, notify the store manager or security office if your child cannot be found. Then immediately call your local law enforcement agency. Many stores have a Code Adam plan of action in place. When you call the law enforcement agency, provide them with your child's name, date of birth, height, weight, and and descriptions of any other unique identifiers, such as eyeglasses and braces. Tell them when you noticed your child was missing and what clothing he or she was wearing. Request law enforcement authorities to immediately enter your child's name and identifying information into the FBI's National Crime Information Center missing person file. So, no science, but that's what you need to know if your child is missing. I hope that no one ever needs to use this information, but I also hope that you remember it if you need to. And as us being fathers, um, this is something that we think about a lot. Let's talk about some refrigerator gallery moments in our power thoughts. Alrighty. What artwork do we really, really, really like? I'm going to talk about page 15, and this is during the fight. Uh, is this a joke or a backup joke? This is a backup joke. This is what I call, don't worry, I got this. And it's where Jack has tackled Dagger. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a good flying tackle, too. It's a good flying tackle. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm just going to move on because, uh, yes. <laughs> and it's a, It is an awesome costume, but it is, uh, it is always on that edge of being a little too much. So what is your backup? My joke backup is on page 13. All righty. And I call it Alex Power and Alex Power in the Power Trap. It is uh, center left. And it is got uh, Alex and Jack, and it's when they're arguing over who should attack Cloak. Uh, because if you look, okay, yeah, Alex is there, and he's powered up with his G power, uh, not his G power, his uh, Energizer power. And Jack is powered up with his G power, and Jack has blonde hair. Jack has a problem of having blonde hair quite a little bit in yeah. this comic. One time he has white hair. Yeah, they, they they've got some color choices that are not hitting it. Right yeah, the, there. the the panel above that also has uh, Jack and Alex right next to each other, and they both have blonde hair. So yeah. I can understand the colorist kind of being like, oh, you know, it's just like they're used to doing the thing they do and now it's changed yeah so i totally get that but yeah it's just i just thought it was funny because it's like hmm alex is getting around a lot in this <laughs> it's, a, it's, comic. A new, it's a new power he said he's got yeah he's uh yeah he's like a uh, multiple man except just once <laughs> if let's go to page 10 okay because i want to talk a little bit about this um this note on the fridge hey this is my joke as well <laughs> i call it johnny's note johnny's note I thought you were gonna miss this. No, let's let's read this note because I had to, I had to zoom in on this one here. Yeah, the note on the fridge that Johnny left for Jarvis says, "Jarvis have gone to cats to find Franklin Rito Sue." Yeah, I know <laughs> it is literally almost worse than just a giant flaming four that I joked about in the I script. think that I think that uh, Franklin's note was better. <laughs> yes, this it literally just says we've gone somewhere later. Yeah, uh, I think gone to space is about that would have been better. <laughs> Have gone to space to find Franklin. 
that makes sense. That, and he just tacked it onto the the, to fridge, the fridge where other stuff is there too. It's going to get lost in the minutia <laughs> of like you know. It's like there's a drawing from Franklin that says you know Jarvis by Franklin. You know, and it's a picture of Jarvis and he's got wearing an apron. And he's got hearts on the thing and everything. And there's magnets on the fridge and stuff. This note is going to get lost. This is ridiculous. Johnny yeah. Johnny Storm is a child. Oh, totally. <laughs> but yeah, it would have been better had they said gone to space to find Franklin. But at least he said we're going to go find Franklin. Yeah, yes. But again, almost as bad almost as just as a giant bad. flaming four. <laughs> Let's move on to let's move on to our top ones. I am so proud of you for seeing that one. I thought that was going to sneak by you. No, no, I caught that one. That was a first time through on that one. That is fantastic. Page Good. eighteen is my backup one, and, and this it was really very close between my backup and my top one. But page eighteen, I'm going to choose as my backup one, and I'm just calling this one family. I said this is my first place one, and I call it "We're Home" because yeah. that's what Alex says in the panel to his it's, kids. It's the kids all tackling their parents onto the ground. We can't talk about this picture because we're just going to start crying. Um, <laughs> honestly, that is very true. It's just kind of like, you know, I was reading through the comic and I hit this panel and I'm like, <sighs> yeah, it's, I'm like, why am I getting is, all worked up about this? There is a mess of emotions yeah. in this picture. Yeah, and, giant and, ball and of emotions. Bravo, bravo to John Bogdanov because yeah. that is, I they sell it. Yeah. That's again. That's why it's my first one. There's, it's great art. It's the family all together. Again. It, honestly, it probably is because it, it is just pushing that old emotion button really big for for it to be my first place. But it made your backups. It, it, it made my backup because I, I found one that I just I found one with even more emotion in it. But it, it could easily be switched. I okay. could easily have switched these. What's your backup one? Okay, my backup is on page nineteen, and I call it "The Eyes Have It." Oh God, I forgot about that one. That one is great. Yeah, it is really great. It is the, <laughs> I was going to mention it is that the, one. It is the very top panel, and I call it the Eyes Have It because it has uh, Cloak and Dagger in it, but it has uh, Kofi, and it's when he's talking about how, you know, look, the the power of parents don't care what's happened to their children. They just are happy that they're home, and you have... You know, and so he's kind of like, oh, man, look at that. They're just happy. And he kind of wishes he had that relationship with his dad. It's got his dad in the background who's you know, kind of like head bowing, just going, you know, my son doesn't even I, I, I haven't loved my son the way that this these people have loved their children. Mm-hmm. And then you have Franklin and he's got all pouty face, too. And he's, he's very sad because he's just like, I wish my parents were here to hold me and tell me that they love me. Yeah. Yeah, we're going with we're going with emotional heartstrings. One, I, on this that's one. why I call it the eyes have it. Let's go ahead and just move on to page five. On page five, and I want you to go ahead and guess which one I'm choosing on page five. Is it uh, Jack pushing his face up against the the broken window Try of Friday? Page six. Is it the uh, scene of Maggie's come home and she's just crying her eyes off into a teddy bear? Yeah, yeah. Because let's go ahead and just put all of our feelings in these ones. Oh yeah, there's there's a lot of feels in this. A lot issue. of feelings with that. That's that's the one that I said that kind of beat it out just because there's a lot right there as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just Maggie crying into a teddy bear. Yeah, it makes sense. It's just yeah, it's she comes home and she goes into the kids' room and she's kind of like, oh, I better straighten up this mess. You know, books are laying around. I'll straighten some stuff up. And oh, teddy bears laying on the floor. I better pick this up and put it. And then she just holds it and cries. Yeah, we need we need something funny. Let's insult each other a bit. All right, let's talk about rubber and glue. We'll do. What do you have for yours? My uh, rubber and glue moment is, uh, <laughs> I just found it was funny, is on page 22, and it's the entirety of the thing, uh, you know, it's like uh, the, the kids are home, <laughs> and they're talking, and like, you know, uh, Maggie's picked up Franklin, and it's like, hey, your parents are looking for you, but you can stay here and everything, and it just starts with Katie just dismissing Franklin's sadness in the best way possible, which is like, hmm. <laughs> I'm hungry. (laughs) 
and then all the kids arguing about the food, mm-hmm. and then it just going into uh, you know the dad going, "Oh, I know what you need: lentil soup." And we, we, we'll, we'll put this yak, last we'll put this, we'll put this last picture in here because those are some good words on that thing, and yeah. it's it's not so much insults; yeah. it's just well, it's insulting the lentil soup because it's, it's barf, lentil yak, soup, gross, yes. and the Katie going hair. Ick. And, and so. even and even Maggie again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my backup one on page six. We'll just go ahead and do both minds as they're on this page. Is Jack, and it's in the um, lower right hand box. Uh, Maraud has been uh, banished, and Julie's all like, "Yeah, I think that's fair. She suffered enough." And Jack is all, "Are you nuts? That vengeance she's vowing is on us." Are you nuts? Yeah, are you nuts? <laughs> I know. My top one is on the same page, except it's up in the top, and it's Maraud. No, 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 it's not. I'm sorry. It's the it's the panel next to it, and it's Maraud saying, "You are weak, Pacha. You're weak, weak." So yeah, that was my top one. That's I a like, good one. I yeah, like that. I thought one. that was there. My top rubber and glue moment is on page seventeen, and it's in the bottom right hand corner. And it's when Cloak and Dagger are taking the Power Kids back to their apartment, and it just shows the two snarks <laughs> in the bottom corner, and one of them's raising his hands up like, "What the heck is going on with this planet?" And the other one is just doing the, "It's crazy." Finger to the head. Loopy I think loop. actually the first one is saying, "Why are they going into that dark realm <laughs> yeah. that almost?" killed us they're crazy you could do that about all the situation here when snarks are kind of like this is looney tunes you're just gonna go back you're going back you You know that that almost killed us right we're the ones wearing red shirts yeah we are no we'll we'll stay here yeah i i just love that as uh an aspect of just it's an amazing insult with no words yes yes and and, yeah it's motions stuck in panel. It is just fantastic. I'm like, I know exactly what's going on, and it's wonderful, and I love it. So let's talk about Stars in Detention. Let's talk about the best and the worst children in this book. Mm-hmm. I want to say Cloak, except he's not a power child. Nope. But my gosh, he was the worst on everything. Yeah, I could see that. But let's go ahead and stick with the, the children. <sighs> I'm going to say Julie. Interesting. Yeah. Why Julie? Julie didn't do a lot. She had uh, problems with her powers. Like even right at the beginning, she's just kind of like, I'm a cloud. I can't do anything to help. It's like, you know, Julie, you can also be you and help find parts for Friday. It was a lot of it was just like she didn't do a lot. The biggest censure for it for me was when during the battle, you know, the cloaks battle with mm-hmm. the snarks and cloak wants to attack Yurik, except Yurik is holding a sleeping Katie. Right. Julie then wakes Katie up. Fair enough. Katie flies away. Yurik no longer has a human shield. Cloak envelops him and is, you know, eats him up. Yeah, I, I can see where you're going there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was leaning heavily on the fact that Julie was trying to stop everybody. She tried, but it, yeah. Well, every, she did as much basically as everybody did, where they were all like, stop, these are our friends. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. This is a mistake. What are you doing? She actually clouds over to, uh, to Dagger and says, hey, you know, stop attacking. This is a mistake. And But, you know, even at that point, Dagger doesn't stop attacking, and Cloak is all like, mistake. The only mistake made was, you know, it's like, all okay, right. you need to do a little bit more. Okay. I'm I'm going with Alex again. Really? Yeah, I know. The big thing for me is after writing Katie about what she could and could not use her power doing, mm-hmm. the first thing he does with his power <laughs> is something he explicitly told her not to do. Yeah. He used it to carve his name on the wall of a ship. Yeah. And Allison's in a heart and a little plus. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Um, also, 
he didn't really seem to be very effective during the fight. It wasn't until he was told what to do by somebody else that yeah, was well, where he got effective. He was disintegrating Snark's lasers so they couldn't attack their friends Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, but I was... Yeah. Uh, he was also trying to stop the Snarks. Uh, but also, you know, it's just like, he didn't want to attack... You know, he's starting to learn what Katie was feeling. It's yeah. like, he doesn't want to, he didn't want to attack Cloak because he didn't want to hurt him. And, you know, he was like, I Jack, just, knock him out with your, you know, jackhammer. But Jack was like, what if I go into Cloak? There's monsters in there. So Also, I was really, I kind of joked about the angstiness before, but I mean, it's like, dude, come on. Mm-hmm. I almost would have liked it better if he went up there to talk to Kofi and just was a good friend mm-hmm. instead of saying, I want to be away from my family too. Yeah. yeah you know what? He doesn't want to hear that. He, yeah, he, he likes a, you in the family. Yeah. He likes being with all of them. Mm-hmm. Just be there for him. Okay, no, I, to- so, I could see how you would pick Alex. Yeah. It was hard outside of Cloak to pick who the, uh, the tension child was. Not, uh, not for me. I, I had, I had issues with Alex. In this okay. One, but that was me. All right. I didn't have uh, issues with him, but, but obviously who's your, because- who's your best though. Jack. Nice. Yep. Jack. Jack. Right, again, let's start right at the beginning. He's flying around. He's lifting up part, ship parts. He sees Alex trying to strain to lift a thing. He's like, Alex, no, that's too heavy for you. Let me do it. Also, and he even says, you had an amazing power set. It is incredible. You know, he's super yeah. jacked to have it. <clears throat> so there's that part. He Tackled you know, dagger. Well, tackling dagger, <laughs> because that actually stopped the fight. It helped, yeah. So he stopped the fight, because he actually took one of the combatants out and then got them to tell the Right. main combatant to quit it so you know he stopped the fight with, with cloak uh with cloak and dagger also there was a, a part it was just a little slide-in thing where he had you know it was like yurik was saying okay we'll go in and i'll explain to your parents what happened and jack was the only one to go and you won't tell them about our powers right that was a big part and you know yurik's response was like well i will if i have to right but jack was jack was, jack the only was one trying who to was lay like, down the line hey this is our secret not for you to share. So I thought I can, that was great. I can go with it. I can go completely yeah. go with it. Kofi is my favorite. Okay. Um, because he was the adult in the situation with his father. Mm-hmm. And he, he finally... Well, he also ran away from his father. And stuff he too, he but, did. But I mean, but at the same time, he, he was trying. He was trying mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. the adult in that situation. He was the one that came up with the idea to first to find his father inside Cloak. Mm-hmm. And he just was a, a good friend to Franklin. He was. he was a very good friend to yeah. Franklin, and he's a very good friend to all the kids. He is great with the family. Yeah. He really is. Co- no, uh, Kofi is fantastic. Yeah. I, think, I, ju- I, I just thought that Jack... Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Good, I'm fine with your... I'm good with all of yeah. our choices. Good, interesting thing, though. We have a full table there. Oh, we yeah. We chose a different, different person different for person. Everything. Yes, we did. No G-Force. Uh, yeah, we have zero Gs, which and, you can find in space. And, you know, now that he's not G anymore... Yeah, well, he may be seeing his saying his uh, catchphrase more often. Why? But he's not G. Yeah, I know, but uh, don't know. Okay. Well, he uh, depended if maybe he just starts calling Jack G Power or something. Who All knows? Right. We'll find out. All right. But uh, so we have zero zero Gs, which you can find in space. Uh, our G average is one point one one, which means that we've just gone under Neptune. We've missed Neptune's surface gravity, which is one point one two, and are at one point one. Uh, gravity, which is at 1.11 gravity now for average, and our G total is holding at 29, which is just one gravity higher than the surface of the sun. Yeah, but that's our G force, and that's uh, where I... Yep. Thank you very much for the G report, (laughs) G-man. Let us rank this on our ever-growing list of top grades. We've got 1 through 28, starting with Power Pack number 25, Power Trip, which is our new number one, and we got the Bottom list, the Thor 383, this cursed earth. Mm-hmm. So I would like to start us off by talking about Homecoming. And the reason I'm doing that is that's issue number five. That's where the first time they came back 
from space. <laughs> so I think we can say that this is better. Yeah, this is better than five. Okay. So we can go ahead and move up from there. Mm-hmm. Is there anywhere that you're looking for on this one? Uh, it's it's a strong issue. It really is. Is it better than uh, Kidnapped or Rescue? Okay, Kidnapped is when they're in space. Rescue is when they Is the Jack-centric episode. Yeah, Jack-centric. I kind of want to say, yeah, I'd be willing to put in the new number three. Wow. Boom, like right that. below Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Yeah, I like this. I like this one quite a little bit. I could see it anywhere from three to five. Let's put it as number five. Okay. Let's let's bump down the uh, Uncanny X-Men one. Okay. It's a good character story, but I, it's light and breezy, mm-hmm. but it's well put together. Very it's, well yeah, put together. Yeah, it's really well put together. So, it's yeah, we'll it's, it's got a lot of, of emotional clout to it. We'll make that the new number five. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, number 26. It's a pretty strong showing for you. Yep. Let's talk about this beer then. Dad right. beer. Dad's, yeah. Not even dads, just dad. Dad beer. beer. What kind of beer is it? Dad beer. What kind of beer does dad drink? Dad. I still am enjoying this one. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it is pleasant. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make this really nice and easy for us. Um, I'm gonna say that this is a good, this is a good four for me. I mean, a lager is not my taste normally, no, no, but the thing either. is, I would take this any day of the week. I honestly would as well. I I'm gonna say three and a half just because I enjoy it, but I think I'd go for other stuff. But it sure. is, it's 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 it, it. Like I said, I was pretty wishy washy on that. Barrel Lake Brewing Company, Portland, Oregon. Dad beer. Easy drinking beer. It is. It's very easy. It's it, it's just, it has a pleasant taste. It It's every, if you like lagers, it is everything a lager should be. And now we're up to kids' perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his daughter, Carrie, about this issue. And we get her opinion on the book. So, Rick, Carrie, tack, why don't you? Hi, Carrie. Hi, Daddy. How are you doing today? Good. Excellent. Tell me about this issue of Power Pack. They do return home in the end. Well, that's good, right? Yes. And how happy are their parents at their back? Super happy. They don't even ask a question. I'm sure there's some questions they ask, but I think a lot of them got answered by the people that brought them back, right? Yeah. Who brought them back? Cloak and Dagger. Who brought them back from Snark World? Kofi and Yurik. What did you think about what happened when Kofi and Yurik and the Snarks met Cloak and Dagger in the park. Cloak and Dagger started fighting. Why? Um, they thought they were still the bad guys. Right. They had no clue what was going on, did they? Yeah. What, what else happened? Well, is this page on page 9? What happened on page 9? I kind of like it how Kofi's hiding from his father. I mean... <laughs> so Kofi's neck on the, on the ship, right? Yeah. And, and who uh, met with him and who talked to him? Um, Alex. And what did they talk about? About how hard life is. <laughs> kind of like that. About like people who boss them around. So on this page, you can see Alex writing Alex plus Allison, and then he's showing a heart around it. Should he be doing that? Nope. I don't think so. Why not? Because it's on a ship. What could happen if he does it on a ship? You could actually cut through it. <laughs> That's right. Did he one time tell Katie not to do something like that? Yeah, when she was signing her name. That's right. Good memory. Very good memory. That's what we call a hypocrite. Like a hippo- hippogriff? Not quite. A hypocrite is somebody who says, don't do this one thing. And then they do it? Yep. It's like in my class, Miranda was putting up the quiet coyote, but then she started talking. <laughs> exactly like that. The kids made it back okay. What about Franklin and what about Kofi? What's happening with them at the end of, by the end of the book? Kofi was going back with his dad um, to, to like, his dad's work. Yeah. And 
and um, Franklin was supposed to go back to his parents. Just for now, he has to wait with the power kids. Why is that? Because his parents might be out. Where did they go? To save him. And they went out to space, right? Yeah. And they went right by each other, didn't they? Yep. And I know you like to talk about the cover, so what about this cover? Okay, this cover... Can I mention something first? Sure. Normally on the cover, there's like these little boxes. Corner box. Corner boxes that have the power kids. Yep. It's different. Why? How is it different? So it has, instead of Jack, it's Julie as the cloud. Mm -hmm. So it's showing them with their different powers, right? Yeah. And so Katie's has Julie's powers. Um, Jack has Alex's powers. Alex has Katie's powers. And Franklin's just running along. Yes. What else about the cover? Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. Okay. Where Kofi's in the night... Not Kofi, Yurik mm-hmm. is in the nightmare. Yeah, yeah he's in Inside Cloak, and it's a big nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. It's about... So, like, Kofi has to go through it. Yeah. Past all these things that are trying to make him, like, feel discouraged. That's right. But when he finally makes it to his father, you can see... A lady version of them holding little baby Kofi, I think. So who do you think that is? Kofi's mom. And um, there's like these, I think they look like pterodactyls to me. Okay. But they're kind of hairy and they look kind of older. So what's that telling you? It's a nightmare. Whose nightmare is that? Yurik's. Yes. And it's what he's afraid of, isn't it? Yeah. But now we know a little bit more about Yurik, right? Yeah. Yeah? And now, and now Kofi knows to be kind of gentle on his dad when... Well, now he knows why his dad's so angry sometimes, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they also explain that at the end, too. Makes you kind of like him a little bit more, doesn't it? Yeah. You like the book? Yes. Good. You excited for the next one? Yep. I tell you, the next one is pretty sad, and it's... Okay. Then I'm not ready. Okay, fine, I'm ready, but... We'll get through it, okay? Okay. All right. I love you, honey. Love you, too. This is the point in time where we like to recognize those listeners who take the time to write in or leave us a review from Facebook and Twitter. This will be for episode 30 where we were talking about missing issue number 23. Akil Wilson. Alexander. Al Sedano. Charles Miller. Comics in the Golden Age. Craig McNichol. Colin Stapleton and the worst comic podcast ever. Dan Grote who said the beer from that show looks like a fancy bottle, because we are a fancy show. Gibson. Green Lantern HG. Jeff Polier. Jeremy Daw. Jeremy Wiggins, who says, One of my favorite podcasts. I look forward to every single episode. Keith Baker. Kwanzo Sejafo. Lemix 7. Lisa Ramsey. Max Traver. Michael Neertz. Mitch Gillian. When in Portland, be sure to check out The Nerd Out, our geek restaurant. Nicholas Prom and Comic Reflections. Otley Murray. At Christato Sampson. Radioactive Dog Welder. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock Thanos podcast. Sailor Bear Zodar. Scarce. Secret Wars and Beyond. Stephen Gray, who shared with us some really amazing power pack figures with Friday that he made using a 3D printer. We'll share that picture on our webpage for this episode. Stephen said that he would be glad to share the file with anyone as well. The link for that will also be on our website. Tim Price. Xenozoic Xenophiles. Be sure to check out the other shows that we're on, Rick Meets the Legion, which you can find at Comic Reflections, 
and our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rookie Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Right now it is just shirts and stickers around our logo, but we will try to come up with some other fun stuff for our fans. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick Presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of about 20 paint cans. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at JeffRickPresent. Our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present. Our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. Please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our lives my wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We We love love you. Until next time, costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Bass Walker. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons and Attribution 3.0 license. All right. You ready to be funny? No. Ready to be sweaty and angry? Yes. That's my bass line. (laughs) Bleep. Listening to the family upstairs being as quiet as church mice, ringing bells. This amazing... (laughs) Slam the door, slam the door. Bleep! I would love to be knighted. I think that would be really great. We'll work on that. Okay, we'll work on that. If we have any fans out there that have the ability to knight us... Yeah, that'd be great. It's probably not legal, but go ahead. I mean, (laughs) lie to me. Just say that you can. SCA. Oh, yeah, I guess there is that. Bleep! Mmm. That mixes with dinner really good. Oh, yeah. This is going well with the McDonald's. <laughs> dad's beer and a dad's dinner coming up just to rear its ugly head and go, Hey, fellas, burp. Bleep. Meanwhile in space. Home ought the temperamental teenagers. Bleep. I would say aw, but destruction of proper proper. Bleep. I just, I just liked it if you just continued your shatters in there. Read identifies and... Anomaly. I was nearby. I was actually, but is told forcibly <laughs> Try, by his wife. That was going through my head. But too. they have more important things to do. Bleep. I know that's weird because then his next line is "Call off your boyfriend, will you? He just swallowed up our pal Kofi's pop." <laughs> Call off your boyfriend, will you? He just swallowed up our pal Kofi's pop. Bleep. I, I will give you a choice. You know, death or cake. Cake or death. <laughs> <laughs> cake. Well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Nobody picks death. Nobody picks death. It's weird. Very strange. It's Um, raspberry flavored. Death? (laughs) Yeah. Bleep. And now... Burps. I'm pretty classy. (laughs) 